Welcome to the Business for Good podcast, hosted by myself, Megan Lampke, where we inspire people to dare greatly, do good, and impact lives while reimagining their businesses for good. Join us weekly as we interview top executives, founders, and business owners to learn why they've decided to add an impact component to their products and services. This show is partnered with Venture, a nonprofit organization based in Minnesota, where their vision is to do tough things to reach people in tough places, working with their Business for Good platform. To learn more information or to get involved, visit venture.org forward slash business for good. Now let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to the Business for Good podcast with Megan Lamke. Today, I'm so excited to have Amalia Morano Damgard with us today. She is an accomplished chef, a seasoned entrepreneur, and a published author who has a heart for philanthropy. Amalia, welcome so much to the Business for Good program. Thank you for having me, Megan. Yeah. Well, I know you have had an epic journey from corporate America to becoming an entrepreneur. Tell our audience a little bit about your journey. I'll be happy to. So my journey begins in uh, Guatemala City, uh, where I was born and raised. And then my parents got divorced and I ended up living with my maternal grandmother in a small town closest to El border, El, the border with El Salvador. Uh, and that was one of the best things that happened to me because my my grandmother has been uh, the source of uh, light in my life and she was herself an entrepreneur and mm. she was a very good cook so I remember helping her in the kitchen all the time and so I think my passion for food and healthy eating and education uh, and entrepreneurship was uh, ignited by my maternal grandmother. Then uh, fast forward to uh, the US, um, I started a career in international banking in Kansas City. And that was uh, almost a 20 year career, uh, progressing from one bank to a total of five banks as a result of mergers and acquisitions. And uh, from Kansas City, I jumped to St. Louis. And from St. Louis, I jumped to the Twin Cities. And I've been in the Twin Cities for, gosh, almost 20 years now. And this is a community that I love. This is a community that I I thrive in. Uh, Why? Because um, not only because it's very entrepreneurial, but it's one of the top cities in the US for women entrepreneurship. And uh, I didn't know that when I moved here, but I sensed it uh, when I uh, founded my business, Amalia Latin Gourmet. And the mission of my business came as as an experience that uh, I had since I was an uh, early immigrant in the States, when I sensed that there was a lack of understanding and appreciation of who we Latin Americans are. So uh, the mission is uh, to help uh, organizations uh, of all sizes uh, bridge the gap and develop a broader understanding and appreciation of uh, Latin cultural nuances using uh, Latin cuisine as a platform for 
inspirational speaking, consulting, and uh, gourmet experiences. And at the same time, almost uh, starting this business, uh, I, I sensed that there was a need for support for women entrepreneurs. As this was 2007, uh, there were not as many uh, women uh, organizations as uh, there are now. And even the banks and a lot of the service uh, services uh, geared towards um, middle-sized businesses and larger businesses were not oriented towards solopreneurs and women entrepreneurs uh, at that time yet. So I saw a gap and a need in the business community to support women uh, entrepreneurs. So um, I co-founded Women Entrepreneurs of Minnesota, uh, a nonprofit, nonprofit 501c6, um, fostering uh, women entrepreneurship through mentoring and leadership education, and also um, advancing the initiatives of diversity and inclusion. And so these two businesses uh, are now almost 15 years old and, and thriving. Wow. What a story. Well, tell us a little bit about you had the seed planted by your grandmother, who is an entrepreneur. Like, how did you cultivate that when you were in a corporate setting, did you did you always know you wanted to eventually one day branch off and? You know, I didn't. Uh, it's uh, funny that I did not know when I started in banking that I one day would become a chef entrepreneur, but I always knew that I had a passion uh, for fresh and healthy eating. I practiced that when I was in banking. I entertained all the time. I cooked up a storm on the weekends. I froze meals. And then when I uh, came home, I would uh, you know, always have a nice healthy meal uh, mm -hmm. during weekdays because, uh, because I did that. And then uh, when I got married and my husband and I uh, had our son, then that's when my priorities started changing. And along the way, uh, also my career aspirations uh, started changing. Um, you know, banking has been a very important piece of my life because this is where I established a very strong business core. But food and culture, education, and spe specifically Guatemalan and Latin American cuisine, is what really um, inspires me every morning uh, to do the things that I do today. So no, I did not know when I was in banking that I would do this. And um, so I'm glad I did because I look back and I look back with, um, I'm happy that I, that I made the move when I did and um, I am happy that I am an entrepreneur and that I am doing the things that I am doing now. Um, I am freer as a result. I can do whatever I want. I can tweak things. I can um, serve on boards, whatever I want to do. I can write books. I can do podcasts. I can do whatever I want to do. When you are in a corporate setting, you're a little bit more limited uh, mm -hmm. to what you want to do. So I think that I was probably born to be an entrepreneur. So walk us through your um, success points, your impact that you've been able to make through 
we Minnesota or we MN? Well, um, what I have seen is that um, I have experienced uh, a sense of uh, a deep community here with, uh, with the women that I, I've been associated with since I came um, to the Twin Cities. I still have relationships uh, with many of them. And um, it, it, it just speaks to the nature and of, of the women uh, that are in this market. Um, because my, my group is a nonprofit. And so the board is uh, a volunteer board. And so I think that uh, that is a, a, a challenging board to run uh, when it runs entirely on volunteers. So I, I say this because that speaks for the caliber and for the nature of women in, in entrepreneurship, that they are driven uh, to do good things um, for themselves and also to help uh, others out. So we have had several uh, turns of boards uh, since uh, Women Entrepreneurs of Minnesota was uh, started, and all of them have great, uh, have been great women, and uh, we have had uh, three presidents. And since since then, I continue to be involved as a chief board advisor, and I can I can continue to see the organization uh, thrive. Um, as a result of the pandemic, uh, everyone has had to. Uh, pivot in one way or another. Um, I certainly had to do that with uh, my own business. And so uh, it's not uh, sur uh, surprising that, you know, many of us turn to virtual as a result of this. And virtual uh, for many of us has turned into, you know, converting our existing uh, live events uh, into virtual formats of some sort. We have done the same thing uh, with Women Entrepreneurs of Minnesota, and um, it has been uh, a good thing uh, because it has allowed us to uh, continue to stay connected, but also uh, we have focused on establishing a very uh, strong relationships uh, and alliances uh, with uh, good partners uh, that not only support us, but are also very good resources for our members and for, um, for our community. That's so wonderful. I love how you took your for-profit entrepreneurship drive and you fueled this nonprofit and really decided to have a business for good impact um, throughout the community. And you've created a legacy that empowers women to continue to advocate for themselves when it comes to microfinancing or when it comes to building a business plan. It's just this beautiful thing that you've created. Thank you. So as one female entrepreneur to another, thank you so much for doing that. Tell us a little bit about how your um, cuisine businesses and your life as a chef have really fueled your philanthropic initiatives. I know you serve on the on four boards um, simultaneously right now. We both have a special place in our heart for Open Arms of Minnesota and for Common Hope. Like, tell us a little bit about your philanthropic efforts that you've been able to achieve because you are an entrepreneur. Yes. So. 
just just like I was not fully aware of uh, what a wonderful place the Twin Cities is for women entrepreneurship, I was not aware that there was such a huge uh, nonprofit uh, community here and so much support. Mm -hmm. And so it seems that as I started immersing myself in the business community, um, through Women Entrepreneurs of Minnesota, through my own work, through my own business, it's like I started finding this um, wonderful um, nonprofits, but also they started finding me. So I started contributing um, live auction packages to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking a long, long time ago, and I supported them for, for many years. And then um, I've supported many other organizations uh, in the process. Um, so this has this have been donations of my my time and, and talent. And I think it almost was like a link, like a chain reaction uh, that one uh, one of those linked to the other one and to the other one. And the next thing I know, I am being invited to be on on boards. And when my first book um, was published, uh, that opened up uh, doors in so many different directions, including serving for um, Common Hope, which is, has been a, a very, a cause that is very near and dear to my heart because they support my home country, Guatemala. Mm -hmm. And I was on that board for, for over eight years. And I just finished my, my term last uh, September, but I continue to, to be in, in touch with them. Um, and uh, I have been um, on boards uh, since I was in banking, actually. And, and this actually started in, 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 in St. Louis and when I was in, in one of the banks. And so I was in a trade finance um, board then and then I was chair of a global business and finance board. And when I jumped to the Twin Cities, um, I started serving on all these nonprofit boards with wonderful, wonderful missions. Um, so I also serve on business boards and I am on the uh, novel for the National Association of uh, Women Business Owners. So you see, I have this combination of business and the culinary talent and uh, being um, Guatemalan and having a, a cultural background. And um, I've been a, a very avid travel traveler, worldwide traveler. And my husband is born and raised in Copenhagen, Denmark. And we have both uh, had a love for travel uh, since uh, we met each other, um, which by the way, we met in Kansas City. So we've been together for a long time as well. And so all these things, all these interests that we have and that I have, I sort of combined all of this into, into what I do. And it's, it seems very natural to me. Mm -hmm. And just serving on these boards, it's, it's, it feels like a natural fit. Yeah, for sure. It's almost like you've taken the best parts of each one of your career choices and your passions and the things that you derive purpose from and molded them all together into this wonderful day-to-day -day that you get to have now as an entrepreneur, as someone 
who practices philanthropy and someone who continues to give back to their community. How do you have just from one mom to another, how do you have time to serve on all of these boards on all of these places and, and generate so much good with, with the efforts that you're doing? You know, um, it's, uh, it's a matter of uh, time management and being organized and carving a little bit of time for this, a little bit of time for that. And um, I don't know how I did it last year, but I also managed to, pub- to uh, write a second book. And so that would be published uh, sometime this year. So on and off, I, I've been squeezing in a lot of opportunities to, to help others and to continue to do events, to keep my business alive. Um, I am busy uh, all the time, but I love to work. This is what I love to do. And I probably work harder now than when I was in banking because when you, know, when you have a corporate job, you, you either go from eight to five, eight to four, or whatever your schedule might be. And then you have the weekends free. Uh, when you are an entrepreneur, you work all the time and um, it's not easy. Uh, entrepreneurship is, is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And in fact, entrepreneurship is hard. If you want to do it right, it's very hard to do because it requires constant work and it requires a, a strategic work. But how I do it is time management. Um, you know, I, there, I delegate something for the weekend that can wait a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I focus on the things that are priorities on weekdays. And then I squeeze in uh, interviews, uh, TV time, and cooking time, and I just launched a series of uh, gourmet cooking experiences. I squeeze those in on Saturdays. Uh, wow. So, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's a little bit of uh, time management and I think drive and dedication and um, I think passion and the love to, to do what you do. Yeah, it sounds like you've really found this focus and flow that allows you to um, navigate through the same amount of hours that everyone else has management and your efficiencies. Uh, So tell us a little bit about um, some of the gourmet work, maybe some of your, your favorite, tell us about some of your favorite experiences um, creating these gourmet cuisine um, enlightenment events? Yes. Um, so I do a variety of events uh, during normal times. Uh, these events are live. Uh, so they come in different shapes and forms. So since I launched Amalia Latin Gourmet, I've been working with uh, corporates uh, here in the Twin Cities. And uh, this is a, a prime market for working with uh, Fortune 500 companies. As you know, we, mm-hmm. we have in the neighborhood of, uh, I believe 17, we had 19 uh, once upon a time. I don't know where we are now, but we're probably close to seven, 17 or 16. But I have worked with most of uh, these Fortune 500 uh, companies and also with many nonprofits, as we discussed, and in many other um, community organizations in between. So many of these events have been adapted to the need of each organization. Uh, There's been times when I have um, 
health organizations uh, create galas, for example, mm -hmm. from designing the theme to designing the menu to designing uh, how to do fundraising. And so I have learned to do fundraising uh, as a result of being involved in so many uh, different kinds of nonprofits. So mm -hmm. that is one kind of event. Um, and then another kind of event might be during Hispanic Heritage Month. And I have been doing that, those for many, many years and repeatedly for many of my corporate clients uh, where they bring me in uh, to do a, a cooking demonstration and use the food as a platform uh, to educate the employees of a company um, about the food and culture of uh, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, uh, and uh, another country. Um, and then I uh, pass samples of uh, the food to the, uh, to the audience after that. And the audiences of these companies, depending on the size of the companies, um, can be 500 or can be 1,000, uh, because some of these are very large companies. Uh, so that's a different kind of event in celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month. And also there's been other kinds of events uh, where I come in as a speaker, inspirational speaker, and then I will deliver my story. And then I will end up with a, a food culture education demonstration. And then I may have prepared the food ahead of time for people to eat and enjoy afterwards during a nice um, event um, at a company or um, at a, as an add-on to a corporate party and, and so on. So now those events, uh, many of those events have converted to virtual, for example, mm -hmm. where some um, global companies have hired me to uh, do a virtual gourmet cooking demonstration here in my kitchen. And um, I usually have a, a couple of cameras angled at me and angled at uh, the activity uh, on my stovetop. Yeah. Um, and these companies are looking for a way to engage their employees outside of the normal business uh, mm -hmm. realm. And so I bring in a food culture education fund because sometimes these events are in the evening and it's a great, great uh, menu for them to enjoy. And then there is uh, cocktails and, and drinks. And then I share recipes ahead so that they can uh, cook along with me sometimes or observe and, and then um, have an opportunity for them to, to learn techniques and to learn a little bit about a cuisine uh, culture that perhaps they may not be familiar with. So all those kinds of events, um, are um, you know uh, important to me and my business, and um, I continue to reinvent uh, those because there's always an opportunity to do something uh, fresher, newer, and better every time. Some of those events are one hour, some of some of those events are uh, an hour and a half, and others are two hours. I'm getting ready to do one with uh, ACG. Um, um, at the end of, at the, in the middle of May. And that is going to be a Cinco de Mayo themed uh, event that is going to include a great menu and it's going to include cocktails. Wow, that sounds amazing. And now I'm very hungry because I have not interacted with Latin cuisine that I have not liked. I love everything. I need to get your cookbook. It just sounds so wonderful and so educational. That's just wonderful. Tell us more about 
maybe a story that of someone that you've really impacted through your cuisine or through your philanthropic efforts that has really stood out and you're like, wow, that's, that's the drive. That's the thing that's causing me to continue to lean in and do more philanthropic efforts or do more um, cuisine education. Do you have a story like that that you could share? Yes, I have a few stories like that that I can share. You know, when you think of uh, impact, um, I can think of it from so many different angles um, because you can have impact on people and, and not realize it. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to pick um, my book, uh, my first book, for example. Um, I knew I had an audience for that book. Um, I knew that there was a need for that book to be created. Uh, because I had the audience for it. So I did the market research mm -hmm. for it. And um, I published that book in 2012. Um, it continues to be a bestseller on Amazon up to now. And um, people write to me from all parts of the US. And these are um, people that have been adopted from Guatemala or immigrants that have mm. come to Guatemala and are um, wanting to reconnect to their, to their culture. And what a be better way to reconnect than through the cuisine. So then mm. I hear from organizations uh, like Common Hope, what a great platform to, uh, to connect to, uh, to the cause and to connect to other people from Guatemala in such a, such a unique way, in a cultural way. Um, and then, you know, I, I look at the um, side of women entrepreneurship. Um, I have mentor, mentored um, a lot of women uh, through Women Entrepreneurs of Minnesota. But I have also received uh, mentoring uh, myself from uh, many uh, good mentors and not necessarily just women. Uh, there's been a combination mm -hmm. of men and women that have, um, that have been part of my life and have uh, helped me um, get to the next level because we always need help. Uh, so, you know, impact, I think that impact goes both ways. And for me, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's what I have received from the many people that have been my mentors and my supporters. And it's, it's a way to, to give back. And, and, you know, when I hear from people and when they write to me, um, you know, it feels good. And I say, you know, this yeah. is, this is a good thing. And, and, I knew there was a reason why I did this, but I guess I didn't realize, you know, the extent of the impact. And that feels, mm -hmm. it feels good. It helps uh, to push you um, to keep doing it more and more. Yeah. They're all good I things. Nice. I love the story of how um, there were people that bought your cookbook and they bought it because they wanted to get in touch with, their heritage from um, coming from Guatemala and being adopted and that that allowed them to interact with their heritage again and explore that more. I just think that that's such an enlightening experience. Um, we'll make sure that we put the 
the link to purchase your cookbook in our show notes today. But again, remind our audience, what is the name of your cookbook? And I know you're publishing another one in May. And I have it right here. <laughs> you have it right here? Yes. Amalia's Guatemalan Kitchen, Gourmet Cuisine with a Cultural Flair. And it is available through my website at Amalia llc.com and if anyone uh, would like to follow me on instagram on as amalia moreno damgard i publish all the classes all the events uh, that i uh, am currently involved in and that i'm planning uh, either by myself or in combination with others and uh, i love to hear from from anyone uh, who wants to hear more about Guatemalan and Latin American cuisine and culture. And I thank you for the opportunity today for this uh, interview. And I uh, look forward to seeing you in person one of these days. Yes, we are allowed to, to visit with each other. That will be so great. Well, thank you again, Amalia, so much for being our guest today. Until next time, everyone. Dare greatly, do good, and make a difference just like Amalia. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining the Business for Good podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share this with a friend.